0: Hello and welcome again to Romance Aloud, celebrating 60 years of the Romantic Novelist Association in the UK. I'm Ian Skillicorn and in this special podcast series I'm talking to RNA members about their own books and the authors from the association's 60-year history whose work means the most to them. This time I'm really pleased to bring you my interview with author Rhoda Baxter. When we spoke I asked Rhoda to start by telling me how she got into writing romantic fiction. Well,
1: writing is something I've always wanted to do, and I had this idea for a novel when I was doing my PhD study. I was kind of busy, you know? So it cooked away in my mind, and then I finished my PhD, and I thought, oh, now I've got my evenings back. I'll start writing this book. So I took a couple of evening classes, and I started writing this novel, and finished it. took years. Finished it, sent it off to agents, and then... um completely randomly stumbled across the Romantic Novelists Association site and the New Writers' Scheme. I thought, oh, this this sounds useful. And I get feedback on my novel, which is really hard to get. So um, I applied and I got in and then I got some feedback. And part of the feedback was to say, you know, you're trying very hard. You're trying too hard. Write something for fun. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll take her advice. I'll put this book to the side for a bit. And I wrote a second book. And that's the first book I sold was the second book that I wrote. I sold it the next year to a small publisher in the US. And that was a long time ago now. But that very first book, I would periodically go back and tinker with it and tinker with it. And then I finally found a publisher and it came out last year, about 17 years after I started writing it.
0: Now, I know Rhodobax is actually your pen name for your romantic fiction would you mind sharing with us the rather unusual inspiration behind it? I believe it's got something to do with your studies as a microbiologist.
1: My real name is Stephen e. Charika and um, when I needed a pen name, I chose Rhodobacter because it reminded me of my bacteria that I used to study. Very nerdy, which is very me. Um, yeah, chemotaxis in Rhodobacter spheroides. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's quite a mouthful. Well, like the listeners, I imagine, I don't really know anything about bacteria. What sort of bacteria is it and what does it do?
1: Well, it does all sorts of things. I don't know if you remember, years ago, there was a big fuss about the first biopol that was harvested from these bacteria. I mean, they don't have enough oxygen. They store their food as a as a biodegradable polymer.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you've written a series of novellas set in West Yorkshire, but which can be read as standalone stories. What attracted you to writing a series set in the same town?
1: Well, it all started with a short story that I wrote. And for some reason, it came out very strongly West Yorkshire. I used to live in West Yorkshire. I lived in Elland near Halifax. So when I moved from Sri Lanka to finally settle here, I was about 16 and moved to West Yorkshire. So obviously it had a big impact on me. And yeah, everybody in the short story came out really strongly West Yorkshire. And I just kind of really liked that. (laughs) So I wrote another one, and then another one, and then another one. And now there's four longer novellas and a short story based in the same village.
0: And you like to have the same characters pop up in different books, don't you?
1: Yes, I like doing that. So my previous series, which is Girl on the Run and Girl in Trouble and all of that, they also have characters which just pop in and out of each other's books. You don't have to have read the earlier books to enjoy the stories, because they're all standalone. But if you have... It's like a little extra bonus. You get to see characters from earlier books popping in.
0: So what you are the essential ingredients of a good romance story?
1: Characters that you can empathise with and you want to spend time with. That's probably the most essential thing. I like a novel that has good dialogue. Setting can be important sometimes. Random anecdote, I wrote a book called Girl Having a Ball, which is set in Oxford. And it's set in a house that's based on a real house. It's a hostel. I wrote a blog post about this. And about two years later, I had an email from the warden who was now running the hostel. And she said that she, out of curiosity, read my book. And in the book, I talk about these World War II blackout blinds where they're embedded inside the windowsill. So there's a hinge and you open the hinge and then you pull out the blinds and you hook them up. And I described it in the book. And she, being new to the house, hadn't noticed. So she went to look for them and they're still there. So, yeah, setting can be very important.
0: Have you got a work in progress that you can tell us about?
1: Yes, I do. It's, um, again, set not particularly in West Yorkshire, but sort of Yorkshire-ish. It's set in a steam railway, Heritage Steam Railway cafe for now. I'm hoping there'll be a few more books with the Heritage Steam Railway in the background. I have two kids, and they have both at various ages been obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine. So I have spent so much time in Heritage City for steam railways. But yeah, I thought I might as well put it to good use. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've also written nonfiction, including How to Write Romantic Comedy with fellow author Jane Lovering. Is there one piece of essential advice from that that you could share?
1: Ooh, one piece, that's quite hard to narrow it down. Well, yeah, um, mostly as, as a generic piece of advice. If you read mindfully, if you read something funny and just enjoy it the first time, then go back and read it again. And you'll find that they are using... Very common tactics. So one of the most useful ones is the rule of three. So you um, you have the first instance which sets up the expectation, the second instance which sets up the pattern, and the third instance which subverts it. So like, you know, the Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman jokes you have. Yeah, the first one says something. The second one says something that is very similar to what the first one said. So you've seen the pattern. And then the third one says something completely different and subverts it. And that's funny because you're not expecting it. The humour comes from the unexpected. The more you can subvert expectations, the funnier it is.
0: Well, I know you've done manuscript critiques for the RNA's New writer Scheme for a number of years. Could you explain what the New writer Scheme is and how it works?
1: Okay, uh, so the New writer Scheme is sort of like a mentoring scheme. There's, I think, 300 places people apply at the start of the year. There's a massive scrum to get in, and places run out within a week. And you submit... Um, as part of your membership within that year, you get to submit your manuscript, which then goes to a reader who is a published author in your sub most of the time. And they will read your whole manuscript and they will give you feedback on what works, what doesn't work, how they think you might want to change it. Obviously, it's subjective, so you know your story better than anybody else. But it's always nice when somebody tells you what's not working so that you can figure out how to make it work. It's a great scheme. And there's some amazing authors who went through the scheme a few years ago. So, you know, Katie Ford is probably the most famous example. Julie Cohen. Some very great authors who've got their first feedback and mentoring help through the New Writers Scheme.
0: Do you tend to come across the same issues when you're critiquing manuscripts? Are there any common mistakes that you can think of?
1: Yeah, there are. Point of view is one. So that's one of my personal little bugbears as well. Talk about it for hours. Yeah, so basically like not hopping through people's heads, trying to stick with one point of view per scene. It doesn't have to be one point of view for the whole book, but, you know, kind of limiting your points of view. That happens a lot, and that's practice, really. Most people don't notice they're doing it, and once you notice, you stop doing it. Yeah, that's probably the biggest one. There's a few sort of like homonym mistakes which come up quite a lot. Things that sound one way but look different on the page, if you see what I mean uh phrases that sound right but don't look right on the page. So like a a sliver of doubt. So it should be a sliver as in a very thin slice. But it sounds like slither, which is which is something a snake does. So yeah, a slither of doubt. It sounds like it could be right, but you know, isn't quite.
0: <laughs> now can you tell us which author you've chosen to talk about for RNA sixty and why have you chosen it?
1: Um slightly random modern one it's sarah mason and i've chosen her because she was really my gateway drug to get me into romance so sarah mason wrote a book called plain james which won the romantic Novel of the year in 2003 it is a modern rom-com so chickly. and i just loved it so i came to romance quite late because i grew up all over the place but mostly in sri lanka and in Sri Lanka, they don't encourage you to read romance if you're a girl, in case it gives you ideas, you know, uh, and distracts you from your studies. So I didn't reach, like, Sweet Valley High or any of that stuff. But I always liked rom-com, you know, on TV or in film. I love a rom-com. I used to watch a lot of detective programs, but loved the romance storylines behind them. So I didn't read much romance, read a lot of sci-fi. And then when I was at university, somebody gave me Bridget Jones which was the start, the book that kicked off the whole chicklet thing. And I thought it was fine. You I enjoyed it. But I didn't really go looking for more romance novels until I was commuting. Uh, So I started my, my first real job, which involved quite a long train commuting to London. And I didn't have much time and I was quite tired. So what I would do is I would just grab like three books off the Just Returned shelf in the library. And that's how this book ended up with me. And I read it and I thought, oh, I really like, this person, I like the romance, I like the characters, I like the dialogue. Is there more? So I went and found that she had another book, so I read that. And then uh, I kind of poked around in the library and said is there anything else that's a bit like this? And that's how I started reading romance.
0: So what is it that you like in particular about a Sarah Mason book?
1: First of all, it's the voice. There's something very confident about her writing, so you start reading it and you're in good hands right from the start. And that's a really indefinable quality. And I think with any book, you know when you're in good hands, regardless of genre. And with Plain James in particular, because I reread it recently just so that I could talk about it now. The heroine is, um, she's quite clumsy, which was a thing back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Chiclet heroines were clumsy. And sometimes it was a fine line between laughing with them and laughing at them. And sometimes you crossed it. Whereas Holly Shannon, who's the heroine of this novel, is clumsy, but she knows she's clumsy. She's very self-aware of it. She's not stupid. And that comes across really early. She just, you know, falls over a lot. It's fine because you're on her side. You're not laughing at her. And crucially, the hero never laughs at her. Even when it's funny, he does try very hard not to laugh at her, which is a nice thing. And yeah, hero is a nice guy hero, which is, um, again... At the time, it wasn't hugely common for the heroes to be nice guys. They were more sort of alpha heroes, whereas James is, is, is not an alpha hero. He's a beta hero. Um, dialogue, brilliant. I love the dialogue. Very realistic, very witty. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit old now, but I heartily recommend it.
0: And has anything in a Sarah Mason novel influenced your own writing?
1: I mean, when I write, I tend to write, my first drafts are mostly dialogue. So I write short because everything happens, but there's no real background or anything. It's just all dialogue, people doing stuff and saying stuff. And then I have to go back and put settings in so that they're not just floating around in space talking to each other. They're actually in a place and there's uh, more texture to it. Yeah, so I think it was reading a book where I fell in love with the dialogue and it made me realize that, yeah, that's what I want to write.
0: Well, Sarah Mason's quite an intriguing choice for this podcast, isn't she? Looking online, there wasn't a huge amount of information I could find about her compared to what's typical for a romantic fiction author.
1: She was a millionaire business person before she started writing. Yeah, so she, she ran a company that imported fancy popcorn from America. And then she sold the company and thought she'd you know, take a break while she enjoyed her millions. And then thought she'd write a book while she was doing that. And she wrote this amazing book, which won won a a major award. Yeah, and then like three more books and she's kind of gone a bit quiet. Presumably she's just kind of living her life (laughs) really on with it. Who knows, you know, might be running another multi-million pound company. (laughs) I love that it's a non-stereotypical journey to becoming a romance author. And I think it's brilliant women writing these brilliant books. It's amazing. (laughs)
0: We've talked about your work on the new writer's scheme and I know you've also been shortlisted for a number of RNA awards. Can you tell us what being in the RNA means to you?
1: You know, there's the phrase of finding your village. That's what it feels like. So I obviously I have a day job. I have two small children at home and my RNA people, I talk to them through social media. But then once a year I go to the RNA conference and that's my holiday. That's where I'm not being mum. I'm not being the person from work. I'm just being me. And I look forward to it every year. I'm gutted, I think one this year, but then nobody's going anywhere this year. So yes, they're my my other family. (laughs) I actually run my local chapter now as of the start of this year. We started off, four of us, as a York team. The first ever York team, we happened to be sitting next to each other uh, around the same table. And we thought, well, there's four of us who live near Beverly in East Yorkshire. Why don't we meet up and start a chapter? Now there's about 16, I think, and we meet up once a month, we share our new news, have a good gossip about who's acquiring what, if we know, or who's done some massive sale and got to number one in the chart and all of this. And uh, it's really good fun. Occasionally, you get somebody who comes and says, I've just lost my mojo, I just can't get inspired again. And we cheer them up. And that's one of the most important things that the chapters do is to keep you going, motivate you. It's the best resource there is for a romance novelist. Definitely, without a doubt.
0: Rhoda Baxter, thanks very much. It's been really great to talk to you about your writing and, of course, the work of your RNA60 choice, Sarah Mason.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And, dear listener, thanks to you too for listening. Join me again soon for another episode of Romance Aloud, celebrating 60 years of the Romantic Novelists Association. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you've enjoyed this episode we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a positive review. To find out more about the Romantic Novelists Association go to romanticnovelistsassociation.org The show notes for this episode with more information about Rhoda Baxter and Sarah Mason can be found at wyndhamaudio.com forward slash rna that's Windham, w-y-n-d-h-a-m audio.com forward slash RNA. Take care and I hope you'll join me again next time. Oh my,
1: can you remember the first night we shared? Stars gave